0: We're finishing up in the book of Acts, where we've been looking at the early church at prayer and trying to figure out how we can be a praying church and what it would look like for us to be a praying church and everything that has come out of the book of Acts, um, out of that praying church, and what that looked like and what that can look like for us. Um, And one of the things that we saw in the very beginning when we looked at at the life of Christ in Luke, who also wrote Acts. Uh, just seeing how in those key moments in his life were moments of of prayer, and how that's happening in the Book of Acts, and um, it's the continuing work of Jesus. And it, when you, in all, we tend to think of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, um, 18 to 20, but really, every gospel has a commission of some sort, ascending, if you will. Uh, Matthew 28, we're familiar. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I am with you always to the end of the age. But there at the end, that ending of Mark, he says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Um, People disagree about what the Great Commission is in John. Um, I think it's John 17. Uh, I have given them your word, he says to the Father, and the world has hated them for they are not of the world anymore and I am of the world. My prayer isn't that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world even as I'm not of it. So there's this, this idea there and that whole prayer that um, Jesus doesn't remove us from the world but sends us into the world. And then in Luke 24, um, it is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third, third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. I want to send you I my Father promised, stay in the city till you've been clothed with power. And then we get to Acts, it's the fifth one, if you will. They're wondering, is the kingdom now? And he says, it's not for you to know times or date. The Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So these five commissions, these five sendings, there's there's going to be going, the kind of a th- common theme in all of those rites. So there's going to be, peoples, there's going to be nations, there's going to be the whole world. And so we find ourselves either being supporters of those who go to the ends of the earth, or we find ourselves as goers to the ends of the earth. It's one or the other. We're passionate about both. But um, I just, I find it fascinating, I as I was reading these commissions this week, go into all the world. And I just kind of think, why? Are, why is there a room full of people here? Why didn't we all go? Kind of seems strange, doesn't it? Um, I remember this lady who had been a missionary in this remote, remote jungle tribe in the Philippines and had translated the Bible there, and. When she came and told her testimony in college, I remember her saying, you know, I met Jesus when I was 16. I started reading the Bible in Matthew. And when I got to the Great Commission, I was just young and naive enough to think he met me. So I just thought, okay, where am I going? Okay, I'll go to a tribe in the Philippines, right? And so here we are in this room. The question for us this morning is, do we have an everywhere? Do we have an all people? Like, is everywhere all people just for the people that we pray for every week, the people we send? Um, Do you have an everywhere, and do you have an all people? And the answer to that, of course, is yes. I wouldn't just say no, because then we just pray and leave. So the answer is yes, you do. Um, And and there's a fascinating thing that happens in the book of Acts. Um, Jesus gathers a people, the church, their newborn prayer is kind of like their breathing um, they have these certain commitments that you see in Acts chapter 3, right? Um, um, Acts chapter 4, you see it all coming out there, right? They committed themselves to prayer, to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, right? They were all together. People were coming to faith. It's so this group of people called the church, and then they go out and they start planting churches all over. And so if you you were in that time, you would have said, well, those are my people, the church, that's, that's my people, I'm part of that group, that's what Jesus is doing, but then there was a, another group of people that was, that was your people, and this is um, what I'm going to talk about today, and I'm going to use a Greek word, you know I never use Greek words in the titles of my sermons, but I figured that since you've been to the grocery store, and you've looked in the yogurt section, and you've seen oikos on the front of a yogurt, that I could use it today because it's common. Um, this is the word oikos. Um, there's My people is the church, but there's this other group of people that's my people, and they're called the oikos, and it's the, it's the word for household. It's the Greek word for household. So if you don't know any other Greek words, you know one now. It's oikos, household. And the oikos, the household, was a major means by which the gospel would spread from city to city, from village to village, not only then but today. Today, it is, and your oikos very well may be your all people and your everywhere, or maybe somebody else's, as we will see. Um, let's, let's jump into the story. So last week, they took off, they remember, while the church was worshiping and praying and fasting, while that was happening, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul, Paul, or Saul, then, for, for the mission to, that I've called them to. And while that was worship, prayer and fasting was happening, it happened they they laid their hands on them, they sent them out. They went on that big loop, iconium Lister derby, they went over to the island they went made this started churches and told people about Jesus and started churches and um, they come back uh, we see and to the church in Antioch, which was a church full of religious refugees that they were there because Persecution in Jerusalem, and they'd spread there and started the church in Antioch. And then there's this Council of Jerusalem, which we can't get into, um, but, but very important time because what was happening is the gospel was spreading to Gentiles, and, and there were all these questions about, well, do they have to like, become more Jewish? Do they have to start taking up the law? And so this council happens where it's like, no, they don't have to become Jewish. This is what we need to tell. And so they go back to the churches, and um, if you get to the end of the chapter 15, um, you're, they're going out again, but there's a little disagreement that happens, which is just like, you get to the end of Acts chapter 15, and it says, Paul and Barnabas, who just went on this, this trip, um, they have a disagreement, because um, they'd taken Mark, and halfway through the trip, partway through the trip, he had like gotten homesick, and said, I gotta go home, and he went home, and Paul said he's not going on this trip and Barnabas said oh yes he is and there was this disagreement and it's hard to watch an apostle having a disagreement but it all worked out for good so Paul and Silas leave and 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 they they go on their own trip and they go back and revisit the churches where they went and um there's this vision where they think they're going one way and and they have this vision of this man in Macedonia you see that next 16 And they go to Philippi, and we'll come back to that story because something oikasi happens there. But what what happens is is, um, they were going to this place of prayer, and there was this female slave who had this spirit in her by which she would predict the future. And the people who owned this slave made money off of her because people would come and say, ooh, tell me my future, right? And I don't know how that looked or how that worked, but she was a fortune teller. But when Paul and his group was in town, she latched onto them and she followed them everywhere they went. And they would walk down the street and she would be shouting out, these men are servants of the most High our God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she would just do that wherever they went. If you can just imagine walking around at work and somebody just following you around all day long. Hey, look. This is John, and he's a servant of the most high God, and he can tell you how to be saved. And you went to the break room. Hey, everybody, John's here in the break room. How long would it take before you were annoyed? Once, once, you would be annoyed once. And this happened to them like day after day, this is happening to them. It says she kept this up for many days, and it says finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left. Good news, right? Unless you were the owner of this girl and you had been making money off of her. And it says, they, when they realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Salas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities and says, these guys are throwing our city into an uproar and they're telling us things Romans shouldn't have to do. And the crowd joins in the attack because everybody loves a mob. And so the mob happens and, and the magistrates are there And they ordered Paul and Silas to be stripped and beaten with rods. And you go, why did that just happen? Because people lost money. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and the mob gets more and more riled, and they're stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. It says, when he had received these orders, verse 24 of Acts 16, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So you just picture this moment. Um, at the beginning of the day, they'd just been walking around teaching. Now they are beaten, bruised, and bloody. They have to be in so much agony and pain, and they're just there with their feet in stocks. And at about midnight... I guess you can't sleep, what do you do when you can't sleep? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. So they're in the inner cell, if you can picture this, and if their cell is surrounded by cells, they're like a concert in the round, right? So they're, they're singing and they're praying out loud and all the other prisoners can hear them and you've got to imagine what in the world are those guys doing doing this is no place for singing unless it's like you know swing low sweet chariot or nobody knows the trouble I've seen or whatever it is this is the you're supposed to be singing the blues when you're in prison and they're in prison and they're just worshiping the Lord and they're praying and I bet from the other stories we've done every Sunday morning in Acts you can guess what happens next Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. The prison doors flew open. People's chains came loose. All the good stuff in Acts happens either in church or in prison. Just saying. Um, Prison ministry, like getting thrown into prison to do ministry. Um, Maybe Mike could put us together a list, like what's the least you can do to get thrown in jail? (laughs) so that we could all go to prison and see if this works. Yeah, um, like what are the least sinful things I can do? Uh, I can go to jail. Um, But the jailer wakes up and he sees the prison doors open, and what does he immediately think? Everyone has escaped. They're going to kill me for letting everybody go. So he draws, draws out his sword to kill himself. And Paul shouts out, Don't harm yourself. We're still here. What kind of prisoners do that? I guess ones that have been listening to singing and prayer going on. We're all here. The jailer calls for lights. He rushes in. And he falls trembling before Paul and Silas. He connects all of this to them. And he immediately asks the question, sirs, what must I do to be saved? This means he was listening to what they were singing and what they were praying, right? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your oikos, your household. Now, that should make little alarms go off in your head, like, wait a minute. If this one guy believes, then it's like corporate salvation, like nobody else in the household has to believe as long as he believes his house is saved. Is that... The whole oikos comes into this? How's this going to work? Let's keep going. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in their house. So he must have lived close by. and, And look what it says. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole, for the third time, oikos, his whole household. So let's let's think about what this must have looked like. So here's this jailer. These two beaten and bloody, bruised men. They're not doing things that norm, people like that normally do. They're singing, they're praying in their jail cell. Earthquake happens. Doors fly open. Nobody leaves. He connects it to them. Rushes in. What must I do to be saved? You need to believe in Jesus. So you can imagine how this works. Like, He takes these guys home to his household, which wouldn't have just been like wife and kids. This would have been wife, kids, maybe some servants, and maybe kids and their spouses. Um, And it's like, who have you brought home? You didn't tell me anybody was coming for dinner in the middle of the night, right? He's washing their wounds. And he's telling this story while well, there was this earthquake and, and these things go in and they're talking. Yeah, tell them what you told me, right? And so you can imagine this little impromptu teaching, preaching, testimony, story time is happening while the wounds are being cleaned and they're eating a meal and everybody's hearing about this and the, the jailer is so excited that everybody sees him and he's likely head of the household, right? So they have this, this sense of respect for him, I guess. And just everybody believes what's, what's happening. They all come to believe and they all get baptized. Three times, the whole household, it says. And the next day, they get released. He takes them back to the jail. Three times, his whole oikos believes, is saved. He's baptized. It says says right there, this wasn't to the jailer believing. The jailer brought them into his house and said a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household had come to believe. Now, let's back up. Let's go back to Acts 11. And I want to show you this two more times. Um, Do you remember Peter's on the roof and He's praying. All this stuff happens while people are praying. He's praying, he has this vision, the neck comes down, right? And, and God says, hey, Peter, have a meal. And he says, I don't eat this stuff, it's unclean. And he says, hey, listen, don't call this unclean, I called it clean. So there's a lesson here, and it says that um, these guys came from Joppa, or well, they came from another city, right? And they, hey, come with us, we've got somebody you need to meet, right? He goes to these Gentiles' homes, and the whole household comes to Jesus because they had been praying too. And now Peter has to explain himself. You've been where, Peter? You've been into whose house? And he said, listen, and he tells the story. I was in the city of Joppa. I was praying. It's a story, right? And he said, surely not me, Lord, which is just a crazy thing to say to the Lord. Um, I'm not going to do that. And he says, yes, you are. And um, as that happened, the men from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was saying, the Spirit, the Spirit told me, do not hesitate about going with them. So Peter would have been like, you should, sure, Peter, the Spirit's like, no, don't, don't, no, don't delay, just go. And so they go. And they go to this man's house, right? Because the messenger said, well, where were to go to find you because this angel came and said, that you would have a message through which all the household, the whole oikos could be saved. And so when an angel shows up and says, go get this guy, Peter, and he's gonna tell you how the whole household can be saved, you do what the angel said. So we did. (laughs) Again, Peter goes, this guy who's been praying, he's apparently a God-fearing man, angel comes, Peter goes, gospel's preached, the whole household and this would probably have been a big household. Servants, wives, kids, who knows? Nieces, nephews, right? Who knows? If you go back to our story in Acts 16, we skipped this. Maybe I should have done this in order, but let's, let's, let's do this. we we'll get the prison story in there, right? They go to Philippi. When they first go to Philippi, it says, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer guess that was common practice. We'll go out there, people will be praying, we can talk to them. And we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God and the Lord opened her heart to respond to God's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to Lydia's there. Her household's there. They're all at the river. They preach the gospel. They believe the whole oikos comes to Jesus. And she's like, you guys gotta come over. Apparently a church starts there. With Lydia's. So there's this thing God does. I, you, I don't think in the book of Acts you can call it a strategy because nobody like Peter and Paul and everybody don't get together and say, hey guys, I got a plan. There's this thing called oikos. Yeah, you guys know what, we speak Greek. We know what oikos is, right? Let's, 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 let's aim for oikos. Right, let's aim for oikos. You see what happens is, is like somebody big in the house and then the whole house believes. Let's, let's, let's do that. that. But apparently it was God's strategy. God knows about oikos and, and oikos has come to Christ. Now imagine a town or a small village where suddenly you have an entire household, right? So that's the other unit. There's, there's the church, but there's the oikos, and it seems to be that the oikos is how God over and over again uh, changed a city or changed a town or changed a village. Paul and Silas, Peter and Cornelius, Paul and Lydia. Um, and guess what? In every single story, there's prayer. There's prayer and there's God opening up the door to households. Prayer is the atmosphere. Evangelism and mission are the overflow of that. And the oikos is the inroads into a new place. Now, let's kind of take this home for a little bit. because And, and let me take this back to Jesus because this could easily be law and I don't want to be preaching the law. You guys should feel guilty about how you're not sharing Jesus. Get better at this right now. This is... This is the word became flesh and he moved in to the neighborhood as the message version says, right? He came, right? Or you could even put it this way. Um, You know what I always said when we were preaching through the gospels? You remember, you look at a story and you go, ooh, Jesus reached that person. I want to reach those people like Jesus did. But I said over and over again, before you can reach the people Jesus reached, you have to know that you're the person Jesus reached, right? You don't immediately get to be like the hero of the story. Uh, You're the person Jesus reached, I'm the person Jesus reached, and Christ is in me, and so when you walk in in the mornings, you see this tree out on the wall, and it's got a Bible verse on it about how we are rooted in Christ. The life of Christ comes up through the roots, and we grow in our faith, and we overflow with thanksgiving, right? We're rooted, we're growing, we're overflowing, right? So this is This is what Jesus is doing. This isn't me handing down a law and saying, here's five things you gotta do or you're not a good Christian and da, 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 da. No, this is when Jesus is continuing to do his work in the early church by the spirit, this is Jesus at work. So this is what Jesus is doing in us, right? And there's two ways to approach this idea of oikos. Now, oikos was was very different then. Oikos is very different now. There are different cultures. There are different, yeah, the cultures are different. The world is different. Um, t- t- take Alan Bryant out for a cup of coffee. Take Jeff out for a cup of coffee. Um, let them talk to you about or- oikos at other parts of the world. Al- Alan told me this week that in Albania, if you have the money to build a house, you will build three stories. Now, this is gonna make you cringe. I'm just gonna tell you this in advance. But you will build a house, and it'll have three stories. The parents or the grandparents, or whatever you want to call them, will live on the first floor. And on the second floor a son and his wife and his family will live. And then on the third floor, another son and his wife and his family will live. And they'll all live happily ever after in one big house together. I've got one guy over here going, nope, nope, that's just not gonna happen at my house No, Yeah, right, we, we are Texans. We need our personal space. <laughs> that's, why, that's why there will never be a, a subway system or a train system in Houston. We're not gonna get on a, in a can and sit right next to people. We're Texans, we're Texans, we don't do that, right? But, but in other parts of the world, they do that, right? And even in apartment buildings, you'll have families living there and there's a whole lot more to that. Um, and Alan was telling me this week that many times a, a, a son, or daughter will go off to college, they'll meet somebody from Campus Crusade, they'll meet Jesus, their life will be changed, and then they'll go back home for break or whatever, and tell their whole family, um, guys, I met Jesus, you got to hear about this, and the family's like, suspect, and maybe they'll lead a sibling or so, and then maybe later on a mom, and Alan said he can, he can point to families, where when the son was met Jesus first, the dad just never, like the dad never came along, but, In families where the dad believed first, it was not uncommon for the whole family, right? Um, And that's that's that way in a lot of the world. Um, Anybody live in a setting like that? Yeah, it's it's not the same. Um, So it's it's one thing to to speak to the people in your oikos, whatever, and we'll talk about that, what your oikos is. It's another thing you see what happened in each of these situations. The, the apostles were invited into an oikos. They were outsiders who were invited in to the oikos to proclaim to that oikos. So you see how that works. It's like a strategy of sorts, but you're in one, but you get invited into them, right? Neighborhoods are different now. Homes are different now. Homes are not designed like they used to be. How many of you grew up with a front porch? And if you were sitting on your front porch, that was your way of putting up a sign to the neighbors. Hey, y'all, come on over. My mom spent the day making iced tea. Come on over and drink iced tea. If you got the ingredients, we'll make ice cream and we'll sit out on the back porch. We had a deck on the back of our house, no fences back in the day. And if you looked over at the woods house and you saw those people sitting on the deck, that meant you go sit out there with them, right? Right? And you drink tea and you make ice cream and you, somebody get out the grill. Well, just whatever. But if it's Saturday night and 7.30 hits, what do you do? My wife can tell you what you did at my house. You went in and watched Hee Haw. <laughs> Sorry, them's the rules. Um, <laughs> Hee Haw comes on 7.30 Saturday. So it was not uncommon on Saturday nights to have a, a room full of people watching Hee Haw at my house. Is that like the most horrible redneck thing ever, but it's not. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what is what is this for you, right? Like, I, I was thinking of different sized groups that you would invite. Like, if you had a wedding, you invite 100, 250, I don't know how many people, right? Is that your oikos? Like, preach the gospel at that wedding. Does it just spread from family to family all through your family, right? Or is it smaller than that? Like, if you're having a surprise birthday party, is that the oikos that you? the people you invite, is that how the message would naturally spread? Or is it just whoever you would invite over for a big dinner party? I was just I was thinking about this way. What if the apostle Paul showed up in town or Peter, take your pick, um, and they say, I'm coming to your house to preach. I want you to invite your oikos and it's gonna be powerful and you know it's gonna be powerful and you even are thinking to yourself, what if he does a miracle? Who do I not want to miss this? Who needs to hear this? Who needs to see this? Who needs Jesus in my network? Who would you invite? Right, that's, that's how you're kind of thinking. The idea of Oikos has changed in 50 years. I understand that. But, but there's still the idea of hospitality and the people in your network. It might even be a network that isn't even related. It might be a network of people who just like the same things you like and you hang out with them because you all like that same thing. Football team, baseball team, whatever. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that statistics show over and over and over again that the longer you are a Christian, the fewer non-Christians you know. And so, when you're like, the Apostle Paul's coming over, who do I invite? And you just invite like everybody, all your Christian friends because you don't know any unbelievers anymore. Um, they always you know the old illustration is who wins car salesman of the month at the car lot the new guy because he hasn't sold off his friends a car yet right <laughs> that's just the way it works he still knows people without a car right but the longer he's there everybody knows has a car right so it's that way with being a christian right um, so who's your oikos and and, and we could look at it this way let me let me turn this around a little bit i know it's getting late um If you think of it in terms of insiders and outsiders, those are horrible words, but let me just use them. This is how it was used with me. So we'll just say insiders and outsiders, and how does an outsider become an insider? Um, It is very, very tempting for us to get in this rut. Creekside, listen to this now. It's very, very tempting for us to get in this rut, to just be our insiders, and just assume that the outsiders will go to all the hard work of just like, trying to become an insider, instead of the insiders, like, doing the hard work of going out to that, right? And so, let's, let's just do this. Um, We're going to pray, but I I want you to take the time soon, because if you don't do it soon, you'll forget, and you'll get busy. It's Sunday. There's nothing happening today, is there, right? (laughs) You know, this is so funny with this whole Super Bowl thing. I, when we were in North Carolina, it was the Daytona 500. Again, the South is very, very different. I mean, Daytona 500, preacher, Daytime Daytona 500 Sunday. noon. you better not preach too long. So I understand that, but, but, but listen. Um, write, start writing down names, people like that you would network with, like family and friends and how the gospel might spread. And, and, and here's what you do. Write down the names. Just pray for them. And find opportunities to serve them. Find opportunities to listen to them. Eat a meal. Just whatever it is you need to do. But write it down. Pray. Serve. Serve a meal. And just listen. Listen. And when the opportunity God provides it, you just open your mouth. Tell your story. We've all got one, don't we? (laughs) Stories, we all got them. Um, That's it for Acts. We need to pray. And um, So why don't you you do that with me now? God, thank you for Acts. Thank you for stories. Um, I want to thank you for the person who um, told me about Jesus, who told me their story. I want to thank you for the people who listened to me and prayed for me um people who served me meals um lord i guess in the room right now people who have faces coming to mind and um lord i know that if the faces are family that can be difficult because sometimes family is just hard um or maybe it's a neighbor and maybe it's that neighbor's got a, a big network or, or or maybe it's at work um Just channels where the gospel can run like water and people's lives can be changed. Would you do this in us? Would you do this through us? Because somebody did it at Jesus in them and you did that through them, Lord. So would you do the same for us? Would you do this, Lord? And would we see the gospel spread out from Creekside Bible Church to our community? Um, Lord, you've given us all and everywhere, and you've given us all and everyone. And help us to to take that seriously and prayerfully, and then to, to watch you work. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.